so you can tell that I've never like uh sang formally. Like I just sang, you know, like karaoke at Alice's yeah. at four AM on Saturdays. Uh-huh. Um because you were like I'm going to go get tea before we record to make my voice great because we're going to be talking a lot or whatever. You know what I did? I went and made a fucking peanut butter chocolate milkshake. (laughs) Oh, God. That is the worst thing you could have done. It was delicious. Hey girl. Hi friend. How are you? Hi. I'm good. I'm I'm feeling extra burpy right now. I don't know if it's the tea <laughs> or if it's the gay mug that's like making me burp out the gayness or something, but <laughs> I'm feeling pretty flatulent from it's my like mouth. A, like a new alternative to um electroshock like conversion <laughs> therapy. <laughs> oh, hopefully this goes away. Um how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, School. That's it. That's literally all I do. Yeah. Can I say one thing before we actually get started? Sure. I obviously, like, I spend a lot of time editing, but I also, like, I don't so much as listen to, like, the context of what we're saying when I'm editing, but once I publish it and it goes out to the world, I do re-listen to every episode. Uh Uh-huh. And I kind of hated the way that I sounded in Matthew Shepard a little bit. In what way? I didn't like the way that I talked about, or maybe it was like the tone that I was using when we talked about his drug use or, mm. um, I mean, it was mainly the drug use and also like some of, I feel like I, I feel like I came across as a little like victim blamey or victim mm. bashing a little bit. So if anyone else felt that same way, I am extremely sorry that in no way was my intention and was in no way like the tone behind the research that we did or that we collaborated on. I know we made, I made it a point to say that we're not blaming him or faulting him in anything in the episode itself, but just listening back, like I just didn't like the way that I sounded. So that was a me thing. Okay. Um, gross. We yeah. appreciate that. Um, I, unlike you, uh, don't listen to our episodes as soon as they come out. <laughs> Um, I like to wait and store a couple up and then I listen to them like later so that it's like they've yeah. completely left my mind and I can listen as if it's somebody else's podcast. But I do mm-hmm. listen to them eventually. So mm-hmm. I have I did not listen to this one yet um, <sighs> and cannot um, like confirm or deny yeah. your tone. Yeah, yeah. But well, that's just that's just how I felt. But sorry, guys. I'm sorry, especially like. If it was a personal case to anybody else, like, I don't know. You never know who's out there listening, you know? Yeah. But I definitely, that was, like, not the tone or direction that I wanted for us, for me to go in, but especially the show, if anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of ironic that you're saying that, though, because you, I, like, texted you about how editing was going, and you were like, uh-huh. why, do you think we need to re-record something? Yeah. And I was like, no, <laughs> yeah. do you think we need to re-record something? And you were like, That's no, right. I just, I thought, maybe. And I was yeah. like, okay, like, whatever. Now it sounds like maybe we should have. Oh, fuck, I forgot all about that. Should we get into our question? Sure. Go okay. Um, so the today's question is, um, in our corner of, like, getting to know your hosts better, um, what was your favorite game as a child? Okay, so my favorite 
um, game that, like, we invented ourselves was we used to play Whale and Dolphin Trainer because we were big SeaWorld kids. Um, oh, no. Since I grew up, like, 45 minutes from SeaWorld. Uh-huh. Which... Blackfish gave SeaWorld a really bad name, but they actually do a lot of conservation work. Now that okay. they don't steal whales or dolphins from the wild, uh-huh. they have no blood on their hands anymore. But okay. anymore. I acknowledge that they used to. But yeah. um, so, yeah. So when I was a kid, the trainers could still go into the tanks with the whales mm-hmm. and stuff. And mm-hmm. so we all wanted to be fucking whale trainers when oh, we were kids. Like I wanted to stand on an orca's nose. That's all I wanted <laughs> yeah. out of life. Um, so we used to play that in the pool and like one of us would like stand up at the edge and like do the hand motions and then like the rest of us would go and like, yeah, I played that with my cousins a lot. That is so wholesome. I love that. It was really cute. And then (laughs) my favorite like game that I bought from a store was Mm -hmm. Uno. I was a really big Uno kid. Uno Attack or like Uno Extreme where it like had the like machine and it like shot all the cards Uh out of you. That shit was bomb. Those were so aggressive. So aggressive but so fun. (laughs) Those are fun. Uno is one game that I was like the rules just are a little bit too much for me so I can't really enjoy it. (laughs) Um, So for me as a kid have you ever heard of Chicken Limbo? Yes but I never played it. Okay, so I don't know how I... It must have been through a commercial. Um, but for one year for Christmas, I was begging my parents to get me a chicken limbo and did not end up getting it for whatever fucking reason. <laughs> Instead, I got a stupid... Which I... Then it was stupid, but now I kind of wish like I had kept it because it was cool. But it was like a Rugrats piggy bank. But it was... Ooh. It was the dog, I think Spot or whatever the dog's name. It was a dog and it had like two of the rug. I think it was Tommy and Chucky like on the dog. And it like had, it it moved like side to side. Like he was running, like like running down the road or something. So that was cool. But like in the home video, I was pissed off that I didn't get chicken limbo. So my parents took me to the mall the next day and we exchanged it and I got chicken limbo. (laughs) Um, And then as like the favorite game that i bought would probably be like tony hawk pro skater for oh, like the yeah. old playstation that's yeah, some oh, shit yeah. that takes i would love to get an old playstation or just find that even online and play that again but that was a good one i'm sure they like redid a lot of the games for the ps5 when it came out because like they re they totally redid spyro which was like our number one uh-huh. playstation game they totally redid um the old Zelda game, like things like that. Mm, Zelda. So, yeah, so I'm, I am like fairly certain that they redid Tony Hawk Pro Skater one and Crash two. or Crash, whatever his Crash last Bandicoot. name is. And then, yeah. Or, um, oh, fuck. Oh, uh, uh, the Spider Man games. Like, oh my God, I was so big on Spider Man as a kid. Um, yeah. I don't think Spider Man PlayStation one. games. Those, that was a good one. I could talk about PlayStation games forever, but we oh. don't have time to do that. So, we <laughs> well, you guys, here we are, episode twelve. It's so we're, well, case we're climbing. twelve. I think oh, it's case like 12. I'm so bad with that. I think it's like episode sixteen, maybe mm-hmm. because of Casey Kaylee. Anthony. Kaylee Anthony was two like full mm-hmm. episodes plus the law episode plus the mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, the documentary. Uh-huh. Quote unquote. Um, so I don't know. More than twelve episodes, but case twelve. This case is the twelfth yes. the twelfth topic that we've covered. Yeah. Oh my god, that burp stunk. Ew. <laughs> Fuck. 
Um, yeah, so here we are with case 12, um, Marsha P. Johnson. So firstly, we, we would like to start off by discussing the use of gender pronouns and language in this episode. Marsha P. Johnson elected to use female pronouns for the vast majority of her life, and so we will use she, her pronouns for the entirety of the episode when referring to her. We may also use some language that is no longer the correct verbiage and might seem antiquated because we are quoting her or her friends using the language of the time. Uh, Marsha was often referred to as a drag queen and often referred to herself as such, but according to Professor of Human Gender and Sexuality Studies at the University of Arizona, Susan Stryker, uh, today she would probably be considered gender non-conforming. Now, it's a tad complicated because although Marsha never identified as transgender, that termino terminology was not commonly used in her lifetime either, and the term transgender wasn't coined until 1971. Uh, bizarrely, or maybe I, I just found this bizarre, the term trans wasn't coined until 1996. It's just like the shortened is, version, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which is just so recent. Yeah. Like my Christian was born in 96. Yeah. He's as old as the, <laughs> it's so wild. Um, and I was two years old, but anyways, uh, so maybe today she would feel differently. Who knows? Um, also the term transvestite is used a lot during mm -hmm. these times. And in this case, uh, just know that we're aware of the ever evolving language and preference of terms. And we are simply restating what we found in our research and we will not be using, uh, what we now know we're considered to be someone, someone's dead name as well. Yeah. Um, so I guess on that note, Marsha was born uh, Malcolm Michaels Jr., and we're only saying that to give her full history, um, on August 24th, 1945 in Elizabeth, New Jersey, which literally touches Newark Airport, um, so it's super, super close to New York City. Her father, Malcolm Michaels Sr., was an assembly worker at General Motors, and her mother, Alberta Claiborne, was a housekeeper. The couple had seven children, and Marsha was the fifth in that lineup. The family was very active in the Mount Teeman African Methodist Episcopal Church. Say that 10 times fast. Um, <laughs> from a young age, Marsha was considered flamboyant. She loved wearing dresses as young as five years old, but after experiencing much harassment from the boys in her neighborhood, she stopped wearing dresses for a period of time. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to the bullying from her neighbors, it is reported that Alberta, her mother, said that homosexuality is like, quote, being lower than a dog, which is God. so fucking hard to hear from someone who is supposed to love you unconditionally. Like, yeah. be nice to your fucking kids. God. That, that hurts. Uh, at 13, Marsha was raped. She then described the idea of being gay as, quote, some sort of dream rather than something that actually seemed possible which was probably true for the majority of people in the late 1950s, even in the Northeast United States. Um, now we're going to spend a lot more time in the next episode on the Stonewall riots or the Stonewall uprising, discussing exactly what it was like to be gay at this time, but just know that it was not fucking easy. After this horrifying experience, Marsha chose celibacy and to uh, present as more masculine while she was at home in New Jersey. After graduating from Edison High School in 1963, she moved to New York City at 17 with $15 cash and a bag of clothes. God. I know. I don't know why, but my brain, every time I see the bag of, I think of bag of chips. I don't know why. So I had to be okay. like very conscious just how to say clothes, <laughs> which is so stupid. 
Um, once she arrived in New York City, she felt comfortable enough to resume living her life in her true form, including the clothes and makeup that she loved so much. Shortly after moving to the city, Marsha met Sylvia Rivera, who was an 11-year-old Puerto Rican trans woman. Marsha taught Sylvia everything she knew about makeup, living on the street, and looking out for trouble. Also, along with loving herself and embracing her identity. Which is, like, I don't want to go on a whole tangent about, like, kids discovering who they are or being exposed to, like, I don't want to get into the politics of it all, but, like, it's got to be so difficult on the forming mind of an 11-year-old to, like, feel so different and, like, stuck in in that body. Like, I can't imagine what they go through. I mean, I'm not a trans person. Um, Mm -hmm. I am fully cis, but I... um, I always felt very different. Um, I was always, you know, like very smart, um, very Mm -hmm. like interested in things that other people weren't interested in like that. That alone was enough to make me feel like a fucking outcast for my entire life. Let alone if like you didn't even understand your own body and your own, like how -hmm. you view yourself and the body dysmorphia and all of that stuff. Like, gosh, I can't, it's hard enough to be a kid when you, kind of know who you are let alone yeah when it's so confusing like that right in 1966 marcia moved to greenwich village which is where my other best friend taylor basically now lives hi taylor hey <laughs> i mentioned amanda in the last episode so i had to mention um taylor we're going now. through the rolodex yeah I have, I have friends all over the country. It's fine. Um, after moving there, Marsha began waiting tables. She initially went by the moniker Black Marsha, but eventually changed it to Marsha P. Johnson, as we now know her. I'm assuming she got Marsha because it kind of sounds like Malcolm M- Michaels. Mm. Um, like mm-hmm. It kind of it sounds like her original given name. But mm-hmm. um, apparently she got Johnson from the Howard Johnson's restaurant on 42nd Street. This was a restaurant in Times Square that is unfortunately no longer there. Um, it was built in 1955 and was the oldest continually operated business facing directly on Times Square until it was wow. sold for more than $100 million in 2005. Fuck. That is so Could you imagine? Money. No. Could just you like imagine? Cashing a check for $100 million. Shit. <laughs> I'd be um, so terrified. <laughs> I don't even know what I would do with it. I mean, you would owe a lot yeah. of taxes on it, so it's not like you're oh, yeah, just like, yeah, sitting yeah. there with $100 million, which you should pay <laughs> your fucking taxes. Yes, yes. Um... So there were actually originally three Howard Johnson restaurants in Times Square for a time, which like (laughs) overkill much. Um, (laughs) But it seems like this is the original and the one that also lasted the longest. For more than 30 years, the space above the restaurant was a strip club called The Gaiety, which is kind of ironic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which you didn't know, Times Square used to be quite grimy and risque. There used to be a (laughs) lot of like sex shows and strip clubs and stuff there. Um. (laughs) Apparently, they had a full bar in the Howard Johnson, and their specialties were fried clams and ice cream, which <laughs> I couldn't find if that meant together or uh, separate. I can't imagine. Like, I can, I can see the poster now, like, or like the talk on the t- of like talk about the club. Like, let's go get some, look at some titties and get some fried clams. Like, I. Oh no no I, no! This was just at the Howard Johnson, not at the club. Oh, can you oh. imagine oh. being in a strip club? Those strippers would be so sticky. The all smell. that ice cream. Ooh, yeah, and the smell <laughs> of fried clams. Why did I think that clams. was at the bar? 
That's God, so funny. no, they, the restaurant, the Howard Johnson oh. also had a full bar and their specialties oh. were fried clams and ice cream. Oh, shit. I like my narrative better. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so we don't, titties and clams. We don't care about the, the <laughs> strip club that much. Um, like, get your bag, oh, girl, funny. but like, it's yes. not that important to the story. Um, titties and clams. <laughs> <laughs> we need to make a shirt that says that. <laughs> Oh, uh, God. Okay. Um, people are going to think that clams is like a euphemism for vagina, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's disgusting. Oh, I'm God. sorry if you listen to this with your kids. Don't do it's that. It's open to interpretation. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. There's going to be a lot of talk about, like, sex in those next two episodes, so please oh, don't yeah. listen to this with your kids. <laughs> Uh, the Howard Johnson restaurant withstood a lot of changes in New York City and America in general, but always ex- remained extremely popular until shortly before it closed. The building that this Times Square Howard Johnson housed was eventually torn down and became an American Eagle. Classic. Mm. Um, there's <laughs> also an episode of Mad Men, one of my favorite shows, where the Drapers eat at a Howard Johnson in upstate New York because the restaurant franchised mm. and there were once thousands of them. So. Wow. Fun New York trivia. So to complete her name, Marsha Johnson added the P, which she, let's say, stood for pay it no mind. <laughs> this amazing. This attitude became synonymous with her identity, advocacy, and rise to fame. Marsha described herself as a gay, as gay, a transvestite, and a drag queen. Now, her drag style wasn't serious, high drag, or show drag, but mostly only because she couldn't afford to buy clothes from the expensive stores that many drag queens frequented at the time. She was more thrifty than the average queen, which I fully fucking love. She would have done great on RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm -hmm. Um, And she also uh, received many pieces of her outfits as gifts from friends or found them on the street. She was also known for wearing flower crowns made of fresh flowers that she found while sleeping under tables used for uh, used for sorting flowers in Manhattan's flower district. Now, when I think of Marsha from the vantage point of someone who might not be all too familiar of her, I think of what I consider to be the most famous and well-known picture of her where she's wearing um, what looks like to maybe a pink dress she has on red lipstick. She's holding like a little cocktail glass. It kind of looks like it has water in it. Mm-hmm. Um but she's wearing a beautiful and full multicolored flower head piece. And she has like the biggest smile on her face. Yeah. Um, it's also probably like the most commonly used picture of her too. But I feel like that picture alone just like fully encapsulates her spirit. Yeah. Um, but if you don't really know anything about her, then I can almost like guarantee that you've at least seen that picture or you're familiar with it. But that's yeah. a picture that I love, 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 love whenever I see it. Um, And like, not that this, like matters but um i think a lot of people probably don't even realize that they're seeing a picture of her because when she was like Mm -hmm. fully done up like you had no idea that she was born a man yeah so she's extremely passing yeah yes um which like is not it's neither here nor there i just i think it's like for people if they're not sure that they're familiar with her you're probably gonna see a picture and be like oh i just thought that was a like straight up cis woman um so for much of her life, Marsha had a difficult time finding legal work and realized that her best option for fast money was to, quote, hustle, which today we would call sex work. 
Mm-hmm. Um, at this time, sex work was very dangerous and stigmatized. Often, Marcia suffered abuse at the hands of her clients while alone with them in hotel rooms or their cars. Mm-hmm. Multiple times, Marcia had guns and weapons pulled on her, even being shot once in 1970. Jesus. Experiencing homelessness for most of her adult life, much of her rest was taken in hotel rooms, restaurants, and movie theaters, and wherever else God. she could get it. I can't imagine being in that predicament like i know i wouldn't i don't know maybe like your fight or flight really kicks in but like fuck man like that's no way for anybody to live unless you're (laughs) trump then he deserves to sleep in the slimiest (laughs) places but um when we had the polar vortex here in 2018 Mm. i guess that or 29 that was technically 2019 it was like february Mm -hmm. 2019 um I, we were talking at work after about all of the people that the job that I had at the time, I don't have that job anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. about all the people who died because of that, like all the homeless people that froze to death that night. Mm -hmm. And, um, I know it was so sad, but I was saying like, even before this, like I, cause that was like. I mean, that's the coldest most people have ever been in their life. But, like, Mm. that was the first, like, really super cold time that it had been since I had moved to Chicago because I had only been here for less than two years before that. So Mm. that was um, the first time I had been really cold. And, like, I lived in a cold place in Massachusetts, but where I was in Massachusetts, there were no homeless people because it was a college town with, like, 2,000 people. And so I had never really, like, had to put all of that sort of, like, together in a realistic way of like homeless people dying out in the cold like that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like, I, I feel like horrible. Like I can't even, I, I, know. Ugh, I can't even rationalize it. But I was also like, I have so much respect for these people because I could never do it. Like if I, if somehow mm-hmm. I ended up homeless, like my family just totally abandoned me and I didn't have a job anymore and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I ended up homeless. I would just like roll over and die. Like there's no way 100%. that I could do it. But one of my no. coworkers was like, I think you're pretty resourceful. Like you could do it. And I was like, I don't, I think that's a compliment, but like, <laughs> let's just yeah. have that. We don't have to find out. Next week we'll be covering the Stonewall riot very extensively. But for today, just know that it was the ignition point of the gay rights movement. In the early hours of June 28, 1969, the police invaded a known safe space for gays, which wasn't at all uncommon to be um, owned and operated by mobsters, too, which is so weird. Like, why would I get why they would want to hide behind the gay community? But it's such a weird kind of thing to think about. I don't know. I, I don't even necessarily think that they're, like, hiding behind the gates. I think it's just, like, a cycle of reciprocity that it's, like, who's mm. more illegal right now, you know? Yeah. Where, like... That's a good point. If you're, if you're looking at the mob alone, they look like the absolute worst thing in the world. But if you're putting them mm-hmm. next to, at this time, the other most illegal thing you can be, which is gay, then... Mm-hmm like it doesn't look that bad right so god but it also kind of worked out good for the gays then too because they had some protection and they also like had that same level of you know normalizing their illegality quote unquote you can't see my air quotes listeners um (laughs) so yeah so they uh i think it was definitely a uh a system of reciprocity yeah no that's a that's a very uh, valid point 
So this was common, but on the night at hand, the patrons of the bar decided that they were tired of being constantly invaded invaded by the police and fought back. There have always been ties between Marsha P. Johnson and the Stonewall riots, so we're going to clear that up today. Marsha and Sylvia had arrived at 2 a.m. Now, the main rumor is that Marsha threw a shot glass at a mirror behind the bar, shattering it. And there's also another rumor that she climbed a lamppost and dropped a very heavy purse onto a cop car, shattering the windshield. Now, there was never any confirmation of either of those Either of these events, the only thing we know from Marsha herself was that by the time she and Sylvia showed up at Stonewall, quote, the place was already on fire and there was already a raid. The riots had already started. So she was there, but who knows to what extent she actually participated. After the Stonewall riot, there was a huge uprise in LGBTQ plus activism. Marsha and Sylvia began attending rallies, sit-ins, and were big parts of the newly founded Gay Liberation Front, which came out of the Stonewall riots. Um, Marsha was super excited about the work that she was doing, but she was frustrated with how, quote, white gay men and lesbians dominated the conversation, um, mm. which is kind of funny because the lesbians would say the same thing. Yeah. Um, right. The movement mainly focused on the white middle class and cisgendered, while the trans and people of color were actually doing the work. Marsha openly questioned where transgender people fit in as they were more likely to experience homelessness and police brutality. And again, we're going to go into a of detail on this next week get ready for the longest Mm -hmm. episode ever (laughs) yes in 1970 sylvia came to marcia with the idea of forming a home that would protect young trans people living on the streets and thus star was born star stood for street transvestite activist revolutionaries and their first home was actually in the back of an abandoned truck in greenwich village greenwich uh is it greenwich greenwich village that's Stupid as shit. 24 kids crammed into the back of the truck, and every night, Marsha and Sylvia hustled to make sure that their new family would have breakfast in the morning, which, oh my god. I know, it's so cute. One morning, Marsha and Sylvia returned to the truck to it to see it driving away, and the kids were jumping from it. Oh my god, I just, again. I just like... The little bodies? Yes. Just like, yeah. get out now! Now, like, <laughs> now I guess we should say, like, Maybe some of them were technically kids, um, but since yes. they were forming a home, that's just a, uh, I guess, the a phrase. That they, phrase, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but still, that's a very funny visual. Not funny, <laughs> but no, it is funny. It is funny. Now, apparently the truck obviously was not abandoned at all. So after this experience, they decided to pursue a proper house and rented a dilapidated building without running water or electricity. They spent eight months in that house, fixing it up the best that they could and always paying their rent until they were evicted. So even though Star wasn't what it had once been, it had still it still had a profound impact on the community. Um, For the first Gay Pride March, which began on the first anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising, June 28, 1970, the organizers tried to ban Star and its members from participating. Fucking assholes. Yes. But Marsha and Sylvia showed up anyway. You go, bitch. <laughs> they wanted to show that transgender and gender nonconforming people deserved equal rights, too, because they do. Yes. In Greenwich Village, Marsha was referred to as, quote, Saint Marsha um, <laughs> and was admired for her ability to truly be herself. She was incredibly selfless, giving people clothes and food, even when she barely had anything for herself. In an interview for a book released in 1972, Marsha said that her ambition was to, quote, see gay people liberated and free to have equal rights that other people have in America. 
Mm-hmm. Reach, Marsha girl. <laughs> she also, quote, wanted to see her gay brothers and sisters out of jail and on the streets again. Because reminder, you could be arrested just for being gay at this time. So fucked. In another interview, she said, quote, as long as gay people don't have their rights all across America, there's no reason for celebration, which is mm-hmm. why we call pride marches, not parades. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and in 23, we're going 2023, we're going back to that because guess what? Everybody wants to take our rights away. Fuck it's disgusting. you. That is so disgusting. I can't believe we're in this. Yeah. At the 1973 Gay Pride Rally in New York City, there was a huge uproar from the crowd when Sylvia tried to speak to them. Um, now, to help paint a picture, there was a stage with, again, a very large crowd surrounding it. There's two talking heads addressing the crowd in the very beginning, um, a man and a woman, and I'm just assuming their identity because i mean i I just i don't know um i'm also assuming (laughs) i'm assuming also that they're leaders of the event or whatever um it doesn't matter because i would like to slap the shit out of both of them for the things that they said yeah we're assuming their gender because we don't like them yes yes (laughs) uh now the woman says uh quote all right it's up to the gay people what do you want to do And the crowd just starts shouting, and you have no idea what they're shouting. Now, what she says really pisses me off right away, because I feel like she's actively choosing not to include any of the trans people attending. Um, So I think she's just actively, like, shunning out Sylvia, Mm -hmm. like, from the get. Um, Now, this just obviously, like, further furthers Marsha's point of the frustration that the lesbians were dominating the conversation. And I'm also going to assume that this woman was a lesbian only because of stereotypes. And she looked like a lesbian fucking Girl Scout. So to me, it's pretty fucking clear. (laughs) Like Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, God. Don't even get me started on her. (laughs) So some guy comes up and takes the mic and says, quote, listen, we don't know what you want. Now, do you want these people to speak? These? People, these people. Again, it's an uproar uh, of a response. So he asked the crowd, quote, will the people that want it say yes? And the majority of it wins and he lets Sylvia speak. Like had it not like been some sort of democracy, like she wouldn't have gotten the fucking chance. Yeah, who put you in charge, my dude? Fuck off. Exactly. Who the fuck do you think you are? Um, so we're actually going to play some audio from Sylvia's speech that she gives at this rally um it's kind of hard to hear at some points but if you would like to kind of follow along we're also going to have a link to a transcript that we found online in the show notes um but just listen to the kind of the hurt in her voice i think is the most poignant thing about what she's saying um but she also is like it it kind of breaks my heart in the way that they're Mm -hmm. just booing her and everything so the speech that sylvia gives is kind of long um i'll say some key points of it but we'll also have a link to a video to where you can actually watch her um but we'll also have a link to the transcript as well because audio is kind of hard to hear a little bit um but the first thing she says is hi baby which hi i love it hi baby like it was just she felt like those were her i mean they are her people like she's part of that community you know um and and immediately the naysayers uh-huh. Sorry, I was gonna say, and she's trying to okay. be like positive, like and this, yes. you know, very tentious, contentious, and very like tense moment. Yes, yeah. Um, and immediately the naysayers in the crowd start booing her, and I think this Boo is what really starts, you. like, exactly. 
Ooh, you audience. But this is what I think like really pisses her off. And I think the first time I saw this, I was like, wow, this woman's really drunk. Like years ago when I first saw this. But like seeing it now, like more mature, I feel like she's just fucking pissed. <laughs> yeah. It's gotta be hot as fuck. It looks like she's oh, wearing yeah. like a Christmas, like long john sleeper. Like she looks <laughs> hot and it makes me yeah. itchy. Like, ugh. Um, but she goes on to say, quote, now I'm, I'm going to, like my recite of this is in no way going to carry the same sort of tone, um, or like anger that she was, uh, emoting. Yeah. Um, but she goes on to say, quote, y'all better quiet down. I've been trying to get up here all day for your gay brothers and your gay sisters in jail who write me every motherfucking week and ask for your help. And you all don't do a goddamn thing for them. Have you ever been beaten up and raped in jail? Now think about it. They've gotten, they've been beaten up and raped after they've had to spend much of their money in jail to get their, to get their self home and to try to get their sex changes. The women have tried to fight for the sex changes or to become women of the women's liberation and they write star, not to the women's groups. They don't write to men. They write to star because we're trying to do something for them. Now she just goes on to kind of recount um, her own experiences in jail, how she's been beaten, she's had her nose broken, she's been harassed. Um, but towards the tail end of it, she says, quote, what the fuck's wrong with y'all? Think about that. I do not believe in a revolution, but you all do. I believe in the gay power. I believe in us getting our rights or else I would not be out there fighting for our rights. That's all I wanted to say to you people. I wanted, I, if you all want to know about the people in jail and do not forget about Bambi Lamore and Dora Marks, Kenny Messner, and the other people, other gay people in jail. Come and see the people at the Star House on 12th Street on 640 East 12th Street between B and C Apartment 14. Um, and then she kind of goes into like a gay power chant, which people do get into um, and kind of, you know, rally with her. But like, it breaks my heart to see how anti letting her speak our community the community was mm -hmm. um that's super fucked up um but in the 70s marcia performed with the drag theater group hot peaches hot peaches was founded by jimmy Camasia in 1972 uh, who encountered a group of drag queens and began writing for them to perform their work has been described as political camp dominated by drag Andy Warhol was a frequent supporter of Hot Peaches, and he noticed Mar Marsha and the pair officially met in 1975, which is a huge fucking deal, especially considering, like, how famous Andy was by this point. Oh, like, yeah. Like, I can't imagine meeting a fucking star like Andy Warhol. And for, like, a, a extremely famous artist to come up and probably say something along the lines of, I really enjoy your art or your work. Yes. Right? Like... Yeah. Andy Warhol is one of the most famous artists of all time. And mm -hmm. he did things that nobody else had done up to that point. And right. he was just like, wow, you're really great at what you do. I'd be like, oh, oh I know. Good for her. Yeah. So Andy, Andy photographed her for his Ladies and Gentlemen series, which we will post a picture on Instagram for you to see. And when the screen print went on display in Greenwich in a Greenwich Village store, Marsha took some friends to see it, which I'm sure she was just so fucking excited and giddy about. I know. But when they tried to enter, the store owner called her riffraff and threw her out. Bitch, you're riffraff for calling someone that. I can't <laughs> stop. 
stand pretentious art people like that. Like, oh my God. Again, I've, I've probably said this already like 10 times this episode. Who do you think you are? Get off. Exactly. Exactly. Pay it no fucking minds. Girl. Entering the 90s, Marsha had practically become a household name in connection with the gay rights movement. And along with that, she was arrested over 100 times. That's And insane. after being surrounded... I know. I can't imagine. And after being surrounded by and hanging out with the, quote, street hustlers, Marsha sa- said, quote, My life has been built around sex and gay liberation, being a drag queen and sex work. And in an interview in 1992, she said, quote, I was no one, nobody from nowheresville until I became a drag queen, end quote. Oh, I know. I love drag queens. Me too. And Marsha, you were somebody before you became a drag queen. Yes. Fuck the haters. Yes. Fuck your mom, too. (laughs) (laughs) That's not supposed to be funny because, like, her mom said homophobic things, but that's just like, you know, like, that's like such like the frat boy, like, middle school, like, thing to say is like, why don't you go fuck your mom? Like, (laughs) yeah. I stand by it. In 1990, Marsha was diagnosed with AIDS, unfortunately. She spoke publicly about it, and on June 26, 1992, said that people should not be afraid of those with the disease. Just a few days later, on July 6, 1992, Marsha's body was found floating in the Hudson River. She was 46 years old. Immediately after being found, the police classified her death as a suicide. Oh, that doesn't sound Mm. like the... NYPD at all. (laughs) But everyone who knew her vehemently disagreed with the ruling. While Marsha did struggle with mental illness, she never expressed suicidal thoughts to those around her. Her death came just a few days after the Gay Pride March in New York, and it's said that a large piece of the back of her head was missing. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh my god. God." And I'm not saying that, like, that couldn't have happened if she did, you know, take her own life, but that's... Ah, that's, that looks violent. Her friends and family believe that she was the victim of a violent attack, likely a hate crime, which I mm-hmm. agree with. Um, yes. According to the New York Anti-Violence Project, 1992 was also the worst year on record for anti-LGBTQ plus violence. So... That irritates me to no fucking end. Yeah. Like, it's it's so... I love statistics, and I love looking at you know, record information and shit. But, like, it breaks my heart to know that a group of people got together to form the New York Anti-Violence Project, which is great. I'm glad Mm -hmm. it exists. But that we have to, like, measure something like this because it was just so fucking bad. Well, and it's, like, we have to measure stuff like this because there are people who just, like, flat out refuse to believe stuff like this. You know, like... Yeah, true. We're seeing that so much today that, you know, even... but. That's the problem with, like, fucking QAnoners is that they don't even believe mm. the statistics. They think they're all made up and right. whatever. But, yeah, like, <laughs> even, like, we have to say these um, these statistics and things because there are people who are like, oh, like, 
black people and trans people aren't in jeopardy of their lives. Like they're actually not Mm -hmm. more Mm -hmm. likely to die than white people. And like, actually, if you think Mm -hmm. about it, there's more white people dying every day. Well, yeah, because there's more white people, bitch. Um, That's how proportions work. I'm a math teacher. Do I need to teach you some math? All the statistics that we have taken over the years, which like, it's gotten a lot easier for us to do the statistics in turn. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. take as many people to find each of these statistics. Um, but still like fucking hell just people listen like we're not Mm -hmm. what i love about these people that love to like deny these statistics and like say that oh black people aren't in jeopardy or whatever what is the benefit of saying that black people are in danger like there there is no that that's not a positive thing I know right. there are some fucking weirdos out there right now who, like, it's trendy to be mentally ill and it's cool to mm. be, like, gender nonconforming and whatever. Like, no, yeah. th- those are things that people feel because or are without their control when it comes to race mm-hmm. and, like, sexuality and things like that. Like, nobody picks to be gay. Nobody right. picks right. to be trans because it does make your life harder and mm-hmm. you like are literally in more danger why would you somebody I pick you, that i know we just texted about this a couple days ago but you still haven't watched happy shiny people yet have you no but you're the um somebody else just re- recommended it to me who was it it's 10 out of 10 it's so good but it's about the duggar family and i think it's in the third or fourth episode we meet like some influencers that are um from the same church or like followed the same like cult teachings that the Duggars are promoting or some shit like that. Um, but it's their their, their doctrine but, is called um quiverful. That's what no. yeah. It's oh no. well maybe we'll do an episode on quiverful one day. Yeah, okay. It's kind of cool. Um, but the, <laughs> but these influencers can't like they've got to be around our age if not like early to mid 30s. They look young as fuck. But they are s- pushing the agenda one of them i wanted to throat punch the bitch through the tv (laughs) she was her and her big fucking teeth just made me so goddamn mad and i love big teeth but she just was fucking (laughs) ugly with them um she she was making fun of people choosing she says that she says that these people choose to be gay these people choose to go and through the transition or they like they just want the attention and you don't choose to go by certain pronouns or like those none of that shit exists like it's all fake as hell and then she went on to say like you know our platform is kind of us like parodying 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 whatever parodying the old like um televangelists and I was like, yeah, that could be funny. But, like, the shit that you're saying is, like, so out of fucking pocket. But, like, yeah. it blows my fucking mind that, like, people... And I said this cr- to Christian on the couch. Because, like, I want... It was pissing me off. I was like, I can't believe that people of our generations are falling into this bullshit. And I that know. they believe this fucking bullshit. Like, it is so weird. So, um, like, And I get that, like... Um, conservative towns like exist I get that and like that mindset is already ingrained in all those people like I come from one of those small Mm -hmm. country fucking towns and I hate going back there every single time but like it's just it it blows my mind that people of our age have those mindsets I know well um, I think it's funny that she claims that they're parodying um, old televangelists because it sounds like you're just mm-hmm. being them. Like you, you're saying yes. the same yeah. things. <laughs> right. Um, and also, yeah, I mean, like, 
the rise of like white supremacy right now is mm. a perfect example of that that like mm-hmm. online indoctrination is very very real because Jesus. there's so many people who are like don't come from fucking white supremacist families and then like all of a sudden yeah. like like they probably came from conservative families i'm not saying that like mm-hmm. you know a kid who was raised by someone like me is ever going to wind up a white supremacist. But although yeah. I don't know, uh, Kanye's mom was a black Panther and he wears white oh, lives matter yeah. shirts. So, um, that motherfucker, <laughs> but he, or, but yeah, like these people are going from like, I guess like a quote unquote regular conservative, like a Mitt Romney Republican oh, yeah. to yeah. these fucking white supremacists standing outside of drag shows with AK 47s. Like mm. it's, there's this online indoctrination thing is very serious. And it like what I think people on the far right that are bitching about target indoctrinating our kids or whatever for oh pride uh-huh. are missing is that it goes fucking both ways. Like you're indoctrinating people just as much, if not more, than the left is indoctrinating yes. people. Because what we're indoctrinating people with is love and peace. Right. And, uh, right. Equality and socialism. I I I I am so happy to live in a state like Illinois and especially like a city like Chicago because of how progressive and yeah, I mean of course we've got our fucking shit bags and shit stains out there. Oh yeah. Um, but I love that. And people give so much shit to Pritzker and everything. Like, I get it. It's not our platform. That's not what we're here for. But, like, I love that Illinois just became the first state to block banning books and libraries. Yep. I'm glad we've taken the milestone. But, like, I have a lot of my family, like, both of our families, mine and Christian's families, are in the state of Texas. And, like, we're both fucking terrified for, like, our nieces and nephews down there. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... It's so fucking like I we just had my mom's one of my mom's sisters. They just moved out of Florida because of how fucking bad it was getting. Yeah. So now they live in New Jersey. Like this shit is so, so scary. Yeah. Um. Oh, to I guess to lighten this up a little bit. Please <laughs> wait till next week. I fucking jerk Illinois off so hard during this. <laughs> <laughs> I blow so much smoke up Illinois' ass. Um, oh, God, I love it. Massachusetts, too, my two loves. Um, but I don't care what anybody says about Pritzker. That man has been attending um, pro-choice rallies since bef- long before he was voted governor. So Yeah, yeah. Now, a funeral was held at a local church for Marsha, followed by a march down 7th Avenue, and hundreds of people showed up for the funeral. It was so crowded that people stood on the street when they couldn't fit into the church, very much like Matthew Shepard. After the funeral, Marsha's ashes were scattered into the Hudson River, and the police shut down 7th Avenue to allow the march and scattering of her ashes to be safer, which, wow, like, where the fuck were they when... She was being murdered? Like, all the times... Yeah, yeah. From 7th Avenue, many who attended the funeral marched to the police precinct to demand justice for Marsha. Eventually, many witnesses came forward saying that they saw Marsha being harassed by a group of thugs who were even known to mug people. A witness even stated that he saw a local resident fighting with Marsha on July 4th. This resident used 
um, or that resident used homophobic slurs, and later more witnesses placed the man at a bar bragging that he killed a drag queen named Marsha. But when the witnesses tried to tell the police his story, he was obviously fucking ignored. Yeah. Which, like, I know there are false confessions or whatever, mm-hmm. like, people who love to take credit for murders that they didn't commit, but I don't know. Right. It's at least worth investigating, police. Uh, at least. <laughs> Eventually, in December 2002, more than 10 years after her death, Marsha's manner of death was changed from suicide to undetermined sounds Mm. like natalie wood um (laughs) oh yeah a new investigation was finally pursued a new york politician named tom Dwayne, which i wonder if he has anything to do with Dwayne reed um do you know what that is no you haven't been to new york there are no walgreens in the city of new york um Uh they're all a like fancy version of walgreens and they're owned by walgreens but they're called Dwayne reed Spelled like this, Dwayne. Weird. I worked for Walgreens, and I feel I feel like I didn't know that. It's because they and only, I worked for corporate Walgreens. They only exist in the city. Weird. I know. There's CVS huh. in New York, but there's no Walgreens. Yeah. I don't know why. What the fuck is that about? I don't know. Weird. Yeah. Um. <laughs> at least in Manhattan, I admittedly have mm. never spent anywhere, any time anywhere else in Manhattan or in New uh-huh. York City, in right. any of the other boroughs. Mm. Except for I went to, I guess, Queens. But I, like, went to the Mets Stadium and immediately left. Same with the Bronx, because I went to the Yankee Stadium and (laughs) immediately left. Um, I didn't, like, hang out in the Bronx or Queens. Anyway. um, Have you seen, sorry, have you seen the video of J-Lo walking through the Bronx and she's like, when she's super famous, mm-hmm. I think this is like maybe within the last two years. And she walks past her childhood home. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know if this guy, the current resident was already outside or he just saw her and with a camera and he came outside to be like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. But she was like, I used to live there. And he was like, okay, basically like, who the fuck are you? And, he's like, Gen- and she said, Jennifer Lopez. And he said, I don't know who that is. Oh, my god <laughs> it is the funniest funniest fucking thing <laughs> how do you not know who j-lo is first of all i he was i he was definitely like older but i could have sworn he was mexican too. are you living under I mean, a she's, rock she's puerto rican yeah, but she's still rican. to like call her out and be like i don't know who that is it was very mariah carey <laughs> <laughs> but at least mariah um, carey deserves it j-lo's nice yeah yeah <laughs> oh um, shit so a New York politician named Tom Dwayne, no, I don't know, relation of Dwayne Reed, fought to reopen the case because he said, quote, usually when there is a death by suicide, the person leaves a note. She didn't leave a note. In 2016, Victoria Cruz of the Anti-Violence Project tried time and time again to get the case reopened. And while she was not successful, she at least did manage to get previously unreleased documents and witness statements. The struggles of Victoria were documented in the 2017 Netflix documentary, The Life and Death of Marsha P. Johnson, which if you haven't seen that documentary, go watch it. I haven't watched it it's in a long time, fantastic. but it's good. In 2019, the city of New York announced that Marsha and Sylvia would be the subjects of a monument commissioned by the public arts campaign, She Built New York City, which is the first monument in New York to honor transgender women. And in 2020, a waterfront park in Brooklyn was named after Marsha. Her case remains unsolved today, even though we probably know what happened. 
Um, but we would like to end this episode on the most famous Marsha P. Johnson quote, as it's still very relevant in 2023. Quote, darling, I want my gay rights now. I think it's about time the gay brothers and sisters got their rights, especially the woman. And that was the miraculous case of Marsha P. Johnson. Do we want to talk about like our theories of what we think happened? I don't really have theories, but I think like, I'll, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I agree with, um, you know, her friends and family who have been very vocal about it that like probably there were these thugs who like saw her mm-hmm. and were like, fuck a tranny or whatever they were thinking because yeah. they're assholes and then like right. went and beat her up and then um threw her into the river because there's constantly dead bodies in the hudson river if you didn't yes. know that's so scary well and shit now in lake michigan too but i was gonna say hell. they're constantly are in the chicago river too we can't throw yes. too much shade <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think i'm definitely of the same um opinion too i don't how we can try to describe or explain away the massive hole that they said was in the back of her head, I don't know. Um, I don't think anyone said anything about her having been shot, but um, I feel like this was loosely touched on in the Netflix documentary um, as of what they thought might have happened to her, but I think she was probably like very, very brutally attacked for them to say that there was such a significant size-shaped hole in her head fucking hell like that that takes some anger yeah because like i feel like if if that hole was caused by a self-inflicted gun wound then it would have been super obvious that it was a self-inflicted gun wound you know what i mean like it seemed like it was caused by something else maybe like she was hit with a blunt object back there that Mm. it just kind of like Mm -hmm. chunked off the back of her head Mm. or whatever i know which is a horrible thing to think about but like Uh I just don't think, and, like, if she had been unconscious, like, if she, I don't know, maybe, like, um, like, threw herself off of or whatever, like, mm. I don't know where she would have thrown herself off of to make herself, like, un, like, to, like, hit her head on, like, a cement piling or something sure. that yeah. made that big of a hole. Like, she would have to have hit her, she would have had to launch herself off of a, a extremely tall point and like i don't know where yeah. she would have had access to that right there's not like the really Netflix tall bridges it, or anything right and it doesn't even look like it's yeah it's a drop but it doesn't look like it's got a high altitude to it either no it seems like something you could very easily and probably comfortably like dive off of if you really wanted to yeah exactly like it might slap her when you hit the water but i don't think yeah. it's gonna rip the back of your head off shit or, or, I don't know. This is something that obviously we'll never, ever know. I don't think anyone's ever going to come forward about it either. I mean, they obviously won in this instance, which is so fucking disgusting. But, like, this just reminds me, too, so much of, like, the murder from um, the documentary Paris is Burning. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, how did this fucking skeleton end up in yeah. the closet of a, of a trans woman? You know, it's just... Mm-hmm. Wild fucking times to be alive in New York City. Obviously, her having her ashes spread mm. into the Hudson River and everything was, like, yeah. very, like, significant and special, for especially for her friends and family. But, like, mm-hmm. for her to, like, 
I don't know. They could have done a better autopsy maybe if they hadn't cremated yep. her. I don't know. Right. I think that's <sighs> entirely on like the city itself just trying to get rid of as much as they can as quickly as possible too. Like I don't think friends oh. or family really had a say in that at all. For sure. I have a friend who died. Um, It's been six months now since she died and we still don't have our mm. autopsy results yet. Fuck. Yeah. Fucking hell. Um... I and you said uh they won as in like the the homophobes that killed her or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think Marsha won because she has a fucking park named after her on Manhattan yeah. and those fuckers yeah. are probably drunk in a nursing home somewhere rotting away. That's very true. With no teeth. Yeah, I can find I can find solace in that. Yeah. But yeah, guys, thanks for joining us for case 12, Marsha P. Johnson. Hopefully you guys are enjoying this little pride saga series um i already have two cases for next year (laughs) yay oh fuck yeah Yeah. i love it um hopefully we don't ever have to experience something like this ever again uh but i don't that doesn't sound all too promising with the current state of the world okay listen this episode is ending on a total fucking bummer but I promise Stonewall <laughs> next week ends on a huge high note of me literally jacking off the state of Illinois and Massachusetts. <laughs> so get ready. Oh, um, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we'll end on that. Um, mm-hmm. We'll put a poll up again. Um, thanks for everyone yes. who's already answered our poll for Matthew Shepard. If you haven't already, yeah. please do. And if you're listening to this, like after the fact we are going to make all of our polls for the time being active for 365 days so you have until pride next year to answer these polls so it doesn't matter when you're listening to this as long as it's before june whatever of Mm -hmm. i can't remember what day this comes out of 2024 so please go answer our poll we love hearing from you guys and um also can we just say hi to like our future selves like Hi, future Brooke. <laughs> like, I wonder where we're going to be in a year. Aww. Well, I'll have a master's. That's for sure. That's one thing I know. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, other than that, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hope, well, thank you guys for joining us. Um, like Brooke said, do the poll. Follow us on social media. Your next pod on Instagram. Um, case suggestions, send it to yournextpod at gmail.com. Rate, review, subscribe. Um I think that's all. Beware. You're next. Bye. Bye.